The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to Matthew. Glory to you, Lord Christ. Peter came and said to Jesus, Lord, if another member of the church sins against me, how often should I forgive? As many as seven times? Jesus said to him, Not seven times, but I tell you, seventy-seven times. For this reason, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his slaves. When he began the reckoning, one who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him, and as he could not pay, his lord ordered him to be sold, together with his wife and children and all his possessions, and payment to be made. So the slave fell on his knees before him, saying, have patience with me, and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the Lord of that slave released him and forgave him the debt. But that same slave, as he went out, came upon one of his fellow slaves who owed him a hundred denarii, and seizing him by the throat, he said, Pay what you owe. Then his fellow slave fell down and pleaded with him, Have patience with me, and I will pay you but he refused. Then he went and threw him into prison until he would pay the debt. When his fellow slaves saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed, and they went and reported to their Lord all that had taken place. Then his Lord summoned him and said to him, You wicked slave, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. Should you not have had mercy on your fellow slave as I had mercy on you? And in anger, his Lord handed him over to be tortured until he would pay his entire debt. So my heavenly Father will also do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother or sister from your heart. The Gospel of the Lord. Speak easy, speak softly, use as few words if you must speak. I give you my word, restrain your speech. It seems to me that in the word of God today are all of those uses, all of those understandings of word. Oftentimes, 
without words. The word of the Lord comes to us today before it's been given to the people. It doesn't come with words. It comes to Moses. And when we hear that phrase in Scripture, and we hear it often with prophets, the word of the Lord came to Amos, came to Isaiah, Oftentimes, it isn't the words. It's the presence of God that comes. And in Hebrew, that's the foundational understanding of the word, word. God's presence. And how wonderfully expressed in this reading of the Exodus. Pay attention to how few words are there. The presence of the Lord comes to Moses and instructs him to lead the people. And how he's going to lead them into safety. Not with words, but with gesture. And he lifts his hands and the water parts. And the people can move through in safety. A silent cloud before them, leading them. A pillar of fire that moves behind them and comforts them. The presence of God all around them without words. It's only when they get to the other side and they see Egyptian soldiers lying dead in the water that they know that they're safe. See, they are a people without words yet, aren't they? They're disenfranchised, they've been impoverished, they've been enslaved. And now in the simplest of gesture, they can be released. But those who have the words, those who have the control and those who have the power are laying dead in the mud, in their armor, sacked down with the weight of their human understanding of control. It sounds very like the collect we prayed, that we would boast only in God's graciousness and not in our strength and ability to control. And there's the reading. And it's only when they get to the other side that they utter the words Probably the oldest words in the Hebrew Scripture, in all of the Bible, they sing a song to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously, horse and rider he has cast into the sea. But the words come from praise, and the words come as a way of describing God's care of them, not of their own endeavors. Speak easy, 
I think that's what Paul's telling the Romans. Don't use words that you don't need to use, especially if they're going to bring conflict and dissension for other Christians. People have different ways of doing it. Hold your tongue. Practice intentional speech. Use words that lift someone up, that don't tear them down. And if you do that, you will know the reality of Christ, and you'll be able to take it to those who have no words. And that's the word you offer, the presence of God. And there are lots of words in the gospel. <laughs> you fool. You worthless servant. I'll pay you back everything. I promise you have my word. But that's pretty empty, isn't it? See, when we say that, we are trying to practice all the things we're talking about. Because when you say that, you know, I give you my word. It doesn't mean you say anything. My presence is with you. I will not fraud you. I will not abandon you. I will be with you in this. That's my word. But when this master uses those words to get out of this dilemma, he knows that they're empty. There isn't any way he can repay that debt. It's astronomical. It's unpayable. But he uses the words to keep himself in control. And then the figure pardons him, right? There's the God image. He accepts that authenticity that he's expressing. And what does he do when he leaves? He sees the first person that owes him a paltry sum that's not going to make any di difference in correcting his wrong action. And he attacks and he demands the full payment. And he comes back. And the master says, no. I'm going to keep you at your word. And I know how you've acted. And yep, you get what you deal out. That's the parable. God is incredibly just. Not punishing, just. And you'll get the mercy to the degree that you offer it. And you'll get the justice to the degree that you demand it on your terms, in your words. We heard last week, and this reading follows immediately after that, that we're in control of forgiving sins. And I think that's true. If we let them go, as Paul says, they're gone. If we hold them, they're held. And you can imagine how speechless... Peter would have been when he asked Jesus the question to show in his own words his understanding. He says, does that mean I need to forgive seven times? 
oh, seven, holy number. I'll be like God and practice justice and mercy. And Jesus says, no, it doesn't mean that at all. It means you forgive 70 times seven. Peter would have been speechless, pretty much like the servant who's trying to come up with this fortune that he doesn't have. Speak easy. I was at Bryant's Cocktail Lounge this week. You may know it on the south side. It's the first time I've been. You may have been there before, but it's my first time. And the, the blessing is, is that you could have been sitting in there and I would have never known it. Because you walk into this place and you are blinded in darkness. I mean, you do not know where you are. It's the exodus. And when your light and your eyes adjust, you see this warm, amber little twinkle lights, this starlight coming down over the bar. You start to see the outside light filtered through the window. And you feel in a very comfortable place. And this was a speakeasy, if you know what that is. I'm not dating myself too much. I, I, don't, I didn't live through the period. Some of you might have. But when in our human sense of control, we decided we'd keep everybody cold sober and it developed a thing called prohibition and no alcoholic drink, then obviously people are going to go against that control. Jesus did it. I mean, the party hound, the drunkard, as he was called, right? And so they found places in which they could gather and serve alcohol and party. But of course, you had to make sure that it was not recognizable. So if you know this place, and I mean, I wouldn't have known it, except I could recognize the speakeasy, I suppose. <laughs> it's an innocuous little thing. It looks like a house with flowers, and there's a door. And the secret was that when you got up to it, you spoke easy. You might have had a code. The flowers are in bloom. Oh, they're safe to come in, and you'd be let in. And you said it softly so no one overheard. Now, the thing that's very striking to this, as a friend of mine pointed out, is that the New York Times is the one who told me about it via my friend. And it's supposed to be on Mitchell Street, but it's not. <laughs> So if you go looking for it, you have to know the address too. You really have to speak easy. Make sure you find someone who knows the language you're speaking. But what was so wonderful about it is that it was a safe place. You go in there, there weren't any dead bodies laying outside like the Egyptians yet, right? There was nobody in there out of control. People having conversations. You could hear the music, it's overplaying over old jazz tunes, maybe some Ella, maybe some Lena Horne. The waiter comes up and talks to you and offers you the cocktail and tells you how to make it. He crafts it in front of you. It was a safe place. And I tell you that when you leave that place 
and you go back out into the light of the world, that's when you're blinded. Because it's a much dangerous, more dangerous world out there than it was in that place. Speak easy. Meet those people that we're going to shun, even in our Christian tradition, if they don't do it the way that we're supposed to, or we think that they're supposed to. Speak easy. Forgive 70 times 7. And see if you find yourself entering into that promised land of God's presence that really is beyond words.